This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 87 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Back on Track, with the generous support of Kentucky Performance Products and Equestrian Collections. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brett Parbury in Penrose, Australia. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Brett. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's always good to be back on the show. Nice to have you back. I know uh, everything was happening down under and continues. Uh, you know, there's a lot of news coming out of there. And, you know, being an Australian, you know that if you come onto my show, you're going to have a hard time about losing the ashes to the Brits. You know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big cricket follower, but I am a big sports follower, and you just cannot avoid hearing <laughs> hearing the, the disappointing news that we lost the Ashes. Um, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't like to be in the Australian cricket camp right now. No, <laughs> no, no. It's one to fire. pretty tough for them. Uh, but, you know, everything happens in Australia this time of the year. Of course, the Australian Open Tennis Championships as well. And I, anybody who follows me on Twitter will know that I'm a big fan of of cricket, of tennis, of skiing, a lot of sports. But I, of course, will be following the Australian Open avidly. Do, do you pay attention to that as a sports fan? I mean, that's big news, isn't it? I know it comes from Melbourne, but you're not that far from Melbourne. No, we're not that far. And and Australia, it, it's such a sporting culture here in Australia. We we grow up with sport, being surrounded by sport. Um, so you can't help but take an interest in something like that. And and um, it, sport just engrosses our television uh, all year round. So, yeah, the Australian Open, I was in Melbourne last week and a lot of the people down there I was working with, um, all the dressage riders are all off to the Open Um throughout the next few weeks so yeah it's, it's a big sport for us it certainly is well the other thing that's been making the news down under of course is the terrible floods that up in queensland and i know they've been raising a lot of money at the australian open tennis championships you know it, it, it do you have family or friends up in queensland that have been affected brett yeah i do i have um a good show jumping friend of mine shane davidson uh, was in the area of where it was most one of the hardest hit areas. However, in saying that, he was in a lucky position within that area. Also, Bev Edwards, actually, who owned um, who owned sorry JB Alabaster, that was on our team, was also uh, on our team for WEG, was also in one of those the areas that were hit. So, I haven't heard any bad stories from either of those families. Um, I have heard, as you do some horrible stories um, starting to come out of the event um, but yeah look it's just uh, this, this this is when Australians have to dig deep and help each other and um, and they do they do they really dig deep and stand beside each other because these natural disasters are just so devastating for these people um, so the true Australian spirit comes out in these times and, and this is when you you're actually proud to call yourself Australian yeah, and it is extraordinary that you would have such devastating floods when you've had you have droughts for years and years on end too, don't you? Yeah, it's a, it's a country of extremes. There's no doubt about that. We um we we've you know you can say what 
you want as far as climate change or whatever, but you know this country is, has extreme weather conditions and and in the in the majority we've learned to live with them. Uh, these things happen uh, once in every hundred years. It's just so happened that it happened the last time this happened was 1974 in that area, uh, less than well, 40 odd years ago. So. Um, yeah, look, it's just it's just horrible, and you hear the stories. I mean, fest horse lovers, which we are, you hear the stories of horses. Um, you also hear some mm. wonderful stories, I must say, of horses getting saved and yes. and rescued and the whole thing. But you hear some horrible stories, and yeah, just I just feel sick about it when you think of um, how this all happens and why it happens. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, onwards and upwards, I suppose. Well, our thoughts go out to all of them that are there and that have uh, suffered from this, and of course the animals that they may have lost. Um, but as you said, some great stories too of of animal rescues as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, on the show this week, we have a couple of friends of yours, uh, Brett, H- Edward Gull and Hans-Peter Minderhoon from Holland. Yeah. Hardly need any introduction from us, but we're looking forward to that conversation uh, coming up in just a moment. But, but before we do, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Listeners have been asking why back-on-track products work, and what is the science behind them? Well, they have evolved from a combination of ancient Chinese wisdom and modern science, as well as skilled textile production. This result is a polyester polypropylene fabric with a ceramic powder that's melted into the fabric's very own weave. The ceramic particles reflect body heat as an infrared wave, a form of energy with a highly documented pain-relieving effect. This reflected heat helps to ease inflammation, reduce muscle pain, and increase blood circulation. Back on Track products can be used to warm up your horse's muscles before exercise, thus reducing the risk of strains or injury. Most importantly, the product's dual capacity to prevent injury as well as ease and expedite the recovery of already present injuries is what makes Back on Track products so unique. I hope that helps as to why their products are so effective. Visit them at BackOnTrackProducts.com. That's BackOnTrackProducts.com. Well, Brett, as I said, these two guys are friends of yours, so I think I'll hand it over to you to introduce Hans-Peter Minderhood and Edward Gall. Yeah, Edward Gall and Hans-Peter Minderhood are great friends of mine. I I spent a year with them uh, based in Haaskamp, and as we joked, you know, Haaskamp's the centre of the universe when it comes to dressage. We're only joking, but that's what we'd say, just as a <laughs> bit of a gag between the three of us. But, um, no, Edward Gall and, and, and Hans-Peter are just fantastic riders. They're backed up by Nicole Werner, who is just a, a wonderful uh, eye on the ground and a wonderful person to have around the, the, the stables in the arena. She's just a, like I nicknamed her the super coach. She's just wonderful. So, um, Edward and Hans Peter, welcome to the show. Well, welcome, Ed Garland, Hans-Peter Menderhood. Welcome to the show. Welcome f- to the show for Hans-Peter, of course. You have not been on the show before, but Edward, uh, you're an old hand. You've been here before. Yeah, that's why I'm an old hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the both of you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Same to you. Nice to have you back on the show, um, Edward. A lot has happened since you were on, I think, about a year ago, something like that. You've had a fantastic year, 2010. A big congratulations for everything you've done during the summer. But then, of course, the winter started off pretty well, too, for you. 
Yeah, I must say after the sale of Belgidas, I, I still have some good hopes to ride. And I did win one World Cup with Sister Yuri Mechler, so that was really nice. And my other horse, next one, is also doing very nice. So, yeah, we have a good win season until now. Well, I think no, no better person to have this conversation with you than Brett Parr, because Brett, um, you have a horse, uh, Lord Loxley, uh, with with these boys over in Holland. So over to you. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Yeah, now we have um, Lord of Loxley with Edward in training, and um, and I spent the majority of last year based in Haas Camp with Edward and Nicole and Hans Peter. So yeah, I know I know these guys very well, and and. Um, I've been watching with close interest the the year they're having to date, and um, as usual, they're right up on top again. You know, they they just, I mean, Edward and Hans Peter just return to the winners' circle, horse after horse. It's just uh, such an admirable um, performance from these guys. You know, they're, they're, it's, I think it's understated um, around the world on how good a riders these guys really are. Go on, Brad. Okay. Nice. <laughs> I'm getting all emotional. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we'll start with Edward. Edward, you um, you have sister now as your number one horse, and and last week in Zwolle Voice uh, was out for the first time with you in the small tour. Um, I mean, what's your plans for the year? You've got uh, you've started a great winter series. Will you then push forward now with sister? To, to try and make the World Cup final and, and be a part of that? Yes, I'm, I'm really trying with her, but uh, I already qualified now with her because I ride her two times in a qualifier, and because yeah. I won uh, last year, then I, I'm allowed to go already. So I really yeah, aim with her on, the, on, on the, the finals. And, okay, next one, I also want to ride one World Cup qualifier still, then I'm also qualified with him. So when something happens, I have two horses to to go with. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, yeah, I'd forgotten about next one. So he's he's the um, the the backup horse for you uh, going forward. I mean, I suppose everyone's preparing this year for the European Championships. So you having two Grand Prix horses going to the Europeans would be at all eligible for selection for the Europeans would be great for the Dutch team. What about Voice? How how um, what's your plan for him? I don't really have a plan still with him. I, I, I want to ride some small tour uh, competitions and okay, and then we'll see. But it, it's looking good. He is doing a nice PR, a nice facade. So okay, that all looks good. But still, uh, it, he has to do it in the ring. But I first want to have some uh, yeah, experience with him on the small tour level because then I know how it, how it will go. Yeah, yeah. Um... And Peter, you're also having a fantastic year. I mean, you started early with Stockholm and um, with Tango, and uh, I noticed you took Nadine to Mechelen, and and you're uh, highly placed there, coming second to Edward. Um, what, which horse will you put forward as your World Cup horse? Um, I don't know yet. I did um, Tango in um, Odense and Stockholm. And um, I did Nadine in Mechelen, and she is doing um, uh, Amsterdam end of this week. Mm-hmm. And then um, see how far I am with our, um, I'm, uh, my ranking is quite good. I'm six at the moment, so I hope if Nadine is doing a good job in Amsterdam, 
then I do, I think, one or two more shows, and then I see um, which horse I take to the final. Yeah, um, so you just you're both leaving it really, just to see which horse is stepping up and and yeah. doing the best uh, come the day. And yeah. Vivi Vivaldi, I know he's a, a real favourite of yours. He um, mm-hmm. he also did well the other day in Zol- in Zwolle. Yeah, I competed him in uh, Zwolle for the first time in the small tour, and uh, okay, it was um, still a bit um, um, with some 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 mistakes, and it's it's uh, it was his first test um, after all those young horse uh, things. So he he needs to get more experience, but. Uh, Trotwerk was really good, and then in Canter, okay, uh, um, it has to get a, uh, a little bit better in the ring. But for the first time, I was really, really happy with him. Yeah, no, good. I know he's a favourite of yours. He's such a character that horse. And um, and then I suppose onto the outdoor season, um, will you both go to all of the major CBI and and CHIOs? Um, you know, Arken and Rotterdam, obviously, and through the year, that's part of the plan also? Um, I don't know yet, but I think so. I think we are, we are doing the qualifications for the Europeans in Rotterdam this year, and then um, I try to do um, the WDM shows. Um, ah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And I li- really like to do uh, Aachen, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a plan yet. First winter season, and then, and yeah. then, then the summer. Summer, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, I'll be coming over quite a bit this year. I have plans to to come over for four, maybe five times, just to keep my um, keep my feeling up there. And it's it's hard from Australia, Chris, to to try and be a part of this because you have, you're so far away from the action. So luckily Edward and, and Nicole and Hans-Peter let me come and go and let me have a horse there. So it's good to um, good to go back and forth and keep in with these guys and just watch how well they ride and then try and try and keep up with them. And how is Sam doing, Brad? No, oh, he's good, Edward. He, he got home, he's healthy, he's working. I think he's working just as well as he was um, in Kentucky and he... Um, Really healthy. He doesn't know whether it's summer or winter, though. His coat is a really funny colour. He looks like a buckskin. <laughs> but um, other than that, he's really healthy and and good. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. And um, I suppose, Chris, um, going back to you for um, the questions from the listeners. Yes, we have a, we have a couple of questions. But uh, before we get to that, I want to ask either of you, uh, are you planning, when you mention the WDM series, will you be planning to include Florida on that now that that is back on the schedule? Um, I was first, it was maybe my plan to go when it was in January, but now it's in March and um, now we have to go with some stallions to Denmark for the for the um, yeah the, the big stallion curing and, and 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 shows over there. So we're not coming to uh, Florida this year. Well, you know, as, as Brett mentioned, you have so many good horses right now. You 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 are associated with some good horses, and I have to say, in your case, Edward, very good horses before Totalus came along, and now continuing to produce these fantastic horses. How how many between you do you have in the barn that you're riding the stables that you're riding each day? Um, we both ride like eight or nine horses a day, 
and yeah, and that's all kind of also awesome, older ones, but also the younger ones. So, but we like to have also already the young ones in our stable that we can uh, see how they are when they are younger, and then it's easier when they get older. Then you know the horse much better, and that's also easy then to ride them. And and yeah, I, I also think you need to have uh, really good young horses and also the older ones that because you know they can be sold or maybe get injured. So you always have to have some backup with horses, and I think we do a good job in that to always to to be sure that we have good young ones after the little older ones. So you're always producing the young horses. Where, where do you like to find them, Edward? Where, where do you typically go to, to find your youngsters? Yeah, not, we have some, some stallion owners that always bring us young horses, but also people send us mills and, 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 and videos and DVDs, and then we look at them and then we ask them to come here and show the horses, and when we really like them, we, yeah, we see if we can do something with the owners or maybe buy them or half or whatever that we yeah we are sure that we have every time new good young horses well you as i said have been associated with so many good horses and we shouldn't let it be forgotten so easily that the world equestrian games you had at least three very good horses that you had your fingerprints on in one way obviously with with um uh, ravel and and totilus but also with helping brett here yeah, and that, and that that was really nice. I really liked it there because you saw uh, uh, Brett and Sam growing each time, and it went better every time. And that was really nice. And and, and it was really nice to help Brett also there because he he was really eager to to do a good job, and he did. He he had a good uh, uh, result there, and and it was it was yeah really good. It really was. But I have to ask you, too, I mean, your very successful partnership, are you competitive between yourselves or you just let the, the, the horses do the competing? No, we just are competitive in the ring, but not uh, somewhere else. Because I don't think it will work when you are really competitive uh, outside the ring. Of course, when we ride, we both want to win as well. Hans Peter wants to win, win and I want to win. And I think that's good because that's that's the sport it's all about. And uh, yeah, and when we are out of the ring, then it's no problem. And it, it, it doesn't matter who wins because uh, we take it home anyway. Then. Yeah. So Chris, um, having sorry to interrupt, but no, having been with these guys, um, I think they probably have one of the best balance uh, riding balance lifestyles where they really don't. They don't let things get to them um, outside of the arena. Like, um, you know, you just see them compete. They're pretty professional, and that is it. And they don't really get uh, too too wrapped up in the whole thing. They really keep a good balance on the on the on the lifestyle. And uh, I mean, they work very very hard. As you say, as Edward just said, they ride eight or nine horses a day, and they work very very hard. But they, when they leave the stables, they leave the stables, and they try to have a life outside of of this sport you know we all know this sport just takes over your life and and um they do a good job in keeping themselves balanced yeah i think that is that is key and i think you can see that in the quality of the riding because it may it does it does show you know what around well how well rounded you both are as human beings that make you as successful as you are. But I'm sure our listeners are going to wonder, well, if you if you have balanced your life outside of the arena and outside of work, what do you do for fun? Is it the movies or books? What do you do for fun? Eating sushi. Eating sushi. <laughs> <laughs> and shopping. 
En schurping. En laying on the couch. <laughs> well, I, as I said, I have two or three questions here from our listeners, and one comes from a lady called Patience Prine Carr, and she asks, um, could we ask Hans Peter about the stallion Vivaldi that he rides and when we can get good semen in the U.S. from him? Oh, I think that's possible, but then... Um they just have to send an email, and I think we can arrange that. Or then the stallion owner has to arrange it because I'm. I think it's possible, but I'm not quite sure because I do the riding part and not the breeding part with him. Okay. We'll also have a, a question from Liz Call. Liz is a regular listener to the Dressage Radio Show, and she says she's been watching your masterclasses for a few years now, and she even wa- watches the ones that are not in English, and she's enthralled with the idea of tempo control. Obviously, the masterclasses are held in very electric environments and on the advanced horses. Is the daily work at home similar to what they show in the masterclasses, and do they stress the tempo control with the younger horses as well? Either of one, either of you can take that one. Is it a question for? Oh, okay, then I take it. Um, yeah, I think for us it's it's a really important thing, and um, um, I think it's okay uh, with the young horses. It's first very important that they get the balance and everything. But um, um, yeah. We work a lot of, of, of the balance and the straightness and, 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 and the tempo control, yeah. And it's also, in, in, in the wing, it's, of course, it's more difficult. But when you have a good control at home and, and you practice more uh, out, yeah, outside the ho- like home, and when we do it, we take the horses to big arenas when we do master classes. classes. Oh. And, of course, the first time it's difficult but when they get used to it then it's getting better and better and that's good for us because we don't show so many the young horses and when we show them most of the time we show them in the, in the small two classes and when we bring them to master classes then they get used to um, to the environment where they have to do their, their big tests and then yeah it gets better and better but when you have your tempo control at home then most of the time it's also in the test. Chris, I think that tempo control would be um, one of the main things when I, as I understood it as the year went on and as I could get better at doing it, it's probably one of the main things that led to, to my improvement. I mean, I'd never really heard of it until um, I went to with Edward and Hans Peter and, and it just makes so much sense um, because as we know, in the competition arena, things don't go perfectly and you need to have those adjustments to make things look like they are perfect. And um, and tempo control, uh, as I got better with it, it just, it just that's probably single-handedly the thing that made the difference. Edward, do you want to add to that? No, that, that's true. Because, yeah, it, it's, it, it takes some time, and, and especially with young ones. That's why it's important that we already have, uh, when we get the horses, it's easier to get them when they are younger. Then it's easier to make them uh, go in the way you want them to go. And when they get older, it's also always a little bit more difficult to change that. Because then they are used to kind of way of riding and, and stuff like that. And when it's younger, then it's easier. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's 
the most important thing is the tempo control. Okay. And yes, just one all more. All the exercises are also much easier. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's understandable. Uh, just one last question for you, Edward. Um, and this comes from somebody from the thoroughbred racing world here in the States, from Donna Barton Brothers, who's a friend of, our, of the Horse Radio Network. And she writes, uh, how did Totalus Stallion duties, how did they fit in with his show schedule and how did that affect him? And uh, as you know, in the thoroughbred business, they would not do the breeding and the competing at the same time, the racing at the same time, but we do that in the sport horse world. How did it, it, it affect it, it total us if at all? It, it, it didn't affect him so much. He was just a little bit more stallion in the stable, but with riding, he didn't change at all. And um, it's like we did the breeding, but when I went on the competition, we just stopped the breeding, and that was the main, the, the important was was the competition. And when he came back, he he started again, and he did it all only like three times a week, not more, because I think when you do it um, too much, then it's not good for the horse, then it doesn't work. But I think three times with him, it worked, and for big competitions, we stopped uh, like a week before or something. And then uh, after the competition, he started again every time, and that worked well with him. Well, I just have one final question for both of you, and that really is reflecting on your careers so far and how successful you both have been, and at, you know, at, at the highest level of the sport and on different horses. It begs the question: What is left, um, Hans Peter? Let's start with you. What What are your ambitions in the sport? What are your goals? Where do you imagine that you will be in ten years' time, or would like uh, to be? Ten years—that's quite a long time. But for <laughs> now, um, I just want to um, just go on with my with with my horses and keep on riding like. Uh, uh, like seven horses a day and also the younger horses and then I really want to go to the Olympics in um, in London that's my uh, I, of course Europeans in Rotterdam now but Olympics in London that's really my big big goal and then um, after that hopefully after that then um, then we see what we're going to do then but for now I keep on I keep on riding you're working on the European and the Olympic medals. And, and what about you, Edward? Yeah, for me, it's a little bit the same for the European I want to do. And, of course, I tried for London 2012. And then in about 10 years, then I don't think I will ride that many competitions anymore. And then I, I do some more clinics, I think, and, 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 and teaching. But, yeah, the, the horses will always be there. Maybe not that much as they are now, but I, yeah, you never stop with the horses. I think they will always be some part of your life, and 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 that's also nice. But sometimes it it gets a lot with all the horses and all the competitions. But now it, for now it's good. But I don't think you can do that until you are 60 years old. No, then you're too old. Then I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> do you and ever? I sorry. Wait on the horse, and then I, I then I stop. Okay. But, then we tell you to stop. <laughs> yeah, then tell me to stop when it doesn't look good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're any danger of that, Edward, hearing that. But uh, do do either of you just finally have any other intre- business interests outside of riding and competing and so on that you'd think, oh, I'd like to do that one day? 
Yeah, I'm Peter wants to have a restaurant. Ah, what's Japanese? Is that sushi? No, that's too difficult for him. It must be easier. <laughs> can make that. No, 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 no. I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, first, I keep on writing for the first, uh, I don't know, ten years, and then, um, then we'll see. Oh, that's a lot of horses and a lot more, a lot more competition. So we really look forward to watching both of you. And I want to thank you so much for coming back on the show, uh, Edward. Come and see us again. And Hans Peter, thank you for joining us this week. It's been great to have you both on the show. Have a grand, fantastic um, World Cup series, and of course, leading up to the Europeans. Have a great summer. Okay, thank, thank you. you very much. Well, great to hear. Great to hear from them, Brett. You know that uh, those guys, as you said, they're very, very successful. It was great to have them uh, on the show um, and uh, and hear what their plans are. And they're just in such winning form. You know, anything can happen now. They certainly are leading the Dutch squad right now. So we'll be following their season uh, through World Cup and, of course. When we get to the outdoor season, not least of all, um, all eyes will be on Rotterdam in their backyard just to go down the road to for the European Championships. So that's got to feel quite cosy too for them, Brett. Yeah, I'm hoping to be in Rotterdam myself um, this year. So I look forward to seeing them compete. And, and uh, you know, as we said before, these guys, they have a wonderful attitude around the stables. They just bring the best out in, in you and... Um, I wish them all the success, and I wish I wish Holland all the success going forward towards towards London. Absolutely. Well, we're coming to Brett's tip of the week in just a second after this break. Hey everyone, it's that time of the year again for after holiday closeout sales, and Equestrian Collections has hundreds of items for you at tremendous savings, up to seventy percent off. Closeouts from Ariat, JPC, Pessoa, Ovation, and so many more. Highly discounted specials include ladies' apparel, footwear, saddle pads, bags, belts, coats, and the list goes on and on. Remember, you can save up to 70% now, but this is a closeout and quantities are limited. So grab the keyboard and type in equestriancollections.com. You'll see the great big ad right on their homepage for all of their closeout specials now for the month of January. Get them while, before they're gone at equestriancollections.com. Well, Brett, I think you've got a great idea uh, for our listeners to pay attention to this week in reviewing management um, of, you know, horse welfare and management. And, you know, there are so many aspects to it, as we all know, the diet and supplements, farriery and veterinary routine. And, and it's all about anticipating the horse's needs, but not to be complacent with the management procedures that you have in place, but to review those protocols. Yeah, Chris, when... When you ask me for a tip of the week, I always reflect back on on what we're doing, and we're, we're as a stable, we're always trying to evolve and and look at. You know, I've always said to my staff, and and you know, it's not what we're doing, it's what we're not doing that I want to know about. And um, at the moment, I'm obsessed with management, <laughs> and um, I guess well, I've been lucky that we're surrounded by some very good professionals who I'm asking the question all the time. You know, what is it we're not doing? Come on, think. Think, tell me what I'm, what I'm not doing that I could be doing so that I could be doing this better. And we've gone right to the point now of just 
reviewing everything we do. So starting from the ground up, I mean, we, we, we're looking at the, the shoeing of every horse. Um, we're looking at, you know, obviously just the usual things like the icing of, of the hot spots in the legs after working. Uh, we're looking at, um, you know, the, the diet, the feed. Are we feeding the right feed for starters? Are we feeding in right intervals through the day? Are we getting the proportions of feed right? Uh, what supplements are we using? Are we using the, the, the correct joint and hoof uh, supplement to to build strength in the or to build um, strength and um, in the feet and and you know joints the joints don't wear out in this high impact sport. We're looking at um, you know the fact of well with the obviously osteopaths and the massage people and the dentists and all these things, but you know trying to also get a, a picture of the horse or or bringing the horse to their best and then rather than calling out say the osteopath to your horse when it feels bad we're actually doing it the other way around we're we're calling these guys out when the horses feel at their best and getting them to get a good feeling for the horse when it's at its best so that when the horse is at its worst we have a reference point to come back to and um so we're doing things like photographing the feet um getting x-rays uh of every horse in the stable just so we know and getting x-rays not when there's a problem but when the horses feel good so that we have a so the vets have a feeling on how the horse was when there is a problem. Uh, we're looking at um, travel management. In Australia, we have to travel a long dif- a distance every time we compete. And, um, you know, looking at travel management and what sort of impact that has on horses. Because I guess what, what stood out to me is, you know, it took so long to get Victory Salute to Grand Prix. And then it took you so long to get him good at Grand Prix that the last thing I wanted to do was have him break down once I got there. So um, I wanted to look back through his life and work out had we done things that had jeopardised his future and um, and was there wear and tear showing up now that we could have avoided on the way through. So, yeah, it's made me look at my show schedule and it's made me look at the, the travel, the way we travel, um, it's, look at the, it's made me look at the way we we train. Um, and, yeah, so I just think that we all need to do that and we all need to really review what we do. And just because they did it 40 years ago this way doesn't mean it's right. You know, I think we have enough science behind the sport now to, to draw upon better ways uh, in management. And I think management, especially people who are out there... Um, who want to push forward and have a big career in the sport, I think management is, 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 is as important as a good riding system because without the horse, you can be the best rider in the world, but if, you know, unless you've got your horse, you're, you're, not, you're nobody. Yeah, I think that's so true. You know, and uh, as you say, establishing a baseline for all the normals, all, all the normal levels, um, no matter how, you know, what, which horse it is, at what level, um, that yeah. you have that to, to work from. But as you said, it, 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 so much of what we do depends on good stable management, good horse welfare and stable management. And I yeah. think it's very, very, very helpful. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that's great. Thank you, Brett. Well, uh, in a moment, we're going to talk about your clinic and competition schedule that you referred to just now and uh, your plans to go back to the Netherlands to join Hans-Peter and Edward for some more training. Uh, So don't go away. We'll be back right after the break. Choose Kentucky Performance Products Supplements because the horse that matters to you matters to KPP. This week I want to speak with you about Elevate Maintenance Powder. This time of year, horses are consuming very little grass and may not be able to get enough natural vitamin E. Horses and riggers training, seniors, broodmares, and stallions often require additional levels of vitamin E to meet their needs. When you need to supplement with natural vitamin E, choose Elevate Maintenance Powder. Affordable, effective, and research proven. Elevate Maintenance Powder's vitamin E is nature's most powerful antioxidant, protecting your horse on the cellular level. Elevate Maintenance Powder supports the strong immune system and healthy muscle function necessary for top performance. It's affordable, it's easy to feed, and you can learn more about this and all their other products at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Well, Brett, as you said, you're going to be heading back to Europe to train with uh, Edward and Hans-Peter at the barn up in the stables up in in the Netherlands. But you also have a busy clinic schedule. You've, As you've said, when you've been on the show before, you, you're combining all of those activities. So what does your next uh, few months look like? Yeah, my next... I tend to plan four months at a time. And, um, and my schedule up until May is very busy... Um, I've identified in my business that the majority of my income will come from clinics. The actual riding of the horses is is not that profitable for us. Um, in this country, with the fee structure the way it is and, and the overheads that you have to incur uh, as a um, as a rider, so I try to combine um, four to five horses of riding uh, with a busy clinic schedule. Um, and then this year will be a little bit unique in the sense that I'll have to make probably four or five trips back to Europe to Edward and Hans Peter's place to keep just keep on top of um, on Lord of Loxley and how to ride him and, and be a part of his development. Um, Edward's kindly riding him for me and, and, and bringing him to Grand Prix. Uh, the horse, together with Victory Salute, uh, will be my two horses going forward to, to try and qualify for London. So I just feel it's important that I, not only for, well, not only for Lord of Loxley, it's just important for my own development to be back in Europe as much as I can this year and um, and just keep the intensity. I mean, I find that when I'm surrounded by good riders, I ride well. And when I'm the intensity is not as high, I just... I don't ride as well and um, when you're surrounded by those guys and you're riding with those guys on a daily basis you just it brings the best out in you so that's all we're looking to do this year go back and try and get him to some shows and I think we'll look at the outdoor season as a possible as a possibility and then whether we go to the main CDIs or whether we go to some of the peripheral shows uh, in Europe will be determined by how, how well we're going yeah, so the old adage, you know, if you ride with the best, you know, it raises your game too. That rings true, doesn't it? 
It does. You know, if you're going to play with the big boys uh, or going to aspire to compete at the top level, you really just got to be surrounded and exposed to that and I think that's you know for countries in in the states it used to be the case in the states but certainly in Australia and New Zealand that's why so many riders are naturally forced to go to the northern hemisphere to get that kind of exposure yeah yeah that's right I think there's one I keep saying to people here there's one major difference between northern hemisphere dressage and southern hemisphere dressage um, is, is the level of collection and the activity of the horse on the hind leg in the collection, thats they would be the two main uh, differences between northern and southern hemisphere. And the only way you can get to that is by by pushing yourself and, and having people around you pushing themselves and then in, in turn pushing you. Um, and when you go to Europe, you go to a show and you see someone, you know, in the next stable... Uh, riding with that level of collection and that level of energy and, and impulsion through the you know, softness and suppleness, it's, um, it makes you lift your game. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. So uh, you're going to be as busy as ever, but I hope you're going to find time to come back on the show in the next few weeks, Brett. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I always love coming on the show. I think you're doing a wonderful job and, and promoting our sport and, and keeping the, the big... Um, the big world sort of in touch with the top top sport which is um which is wonderful hopefully that's what our, our goal is here on the horse radio network to unite the whole horse world one show at a time <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know apologies again to to you on the, the your terrible defeat in the ashes but we hope that you know the australians come through in the australian open in the next couple of weeks yeah, we're, <laughs> we're coming into rugby season too so i'm not sure of the schedule for rugby but you can have the ashes as long as we can um, as long as we can win the rugby I'm happy <laughs> <laughs> alright we'll be watching that as well alright well uh, thanks uh, again of course to all of you for listening here to the show and uh, my special thanks of course to Brett for uh, being a part of our show and uh, to our guests uh, Hans-Peter Minderhoon and Ed Woodgirl this week and don't forget to follow our show notes dressageradio.com visit us on Facebook as ever on the fan page there and leave your comments questions or suggestions or you can email those to me chris at horseradionetwork.com follow us on twitter chris e stafford or horse radio we'll tweet away and I, I am known to tweet about cricket and tennis and anything else that comes to mind so follow us there and uh, of course you can leave a voicemail at 270-803-0025 and uh, I want to thank our sponsors, of course, uh, all of our sponsors that make this show possible, and to our editor each week show for turning the show around. And also to mention that we will be producing a new show here on the network, Equestrian Legends, that will be coming soon. It'll be a bi-weekly show that I'm looking forward to hosting and bringing you memories and reflections from some of the greatest horsemen and women of our time. So all that to come here on the network in the next few weeks. Well, that about wraps it up, as I said. My thanks to Brett there, down under, and I will be back same place, same time next week. So until then... Yeah, thank you, Chris, and and to all the people out there listening, thank you very much for, for joining in, and just remember, please don't text while you're riding. 